This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Insider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome into a Victory Monday. Check that a Victory Weekend edition of Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. We got to be feeling pretty good after the Miami Dolphins shocked the world against one of the AFC beasts. Quarterback Tua Tungavaloa came on in relief of Jake Brisket and Xavier Howard forced and fumble and ran it back for a touchdown as the Miami Dolphins clipped the Ravens 22 to 10. Josh. And the one result, the one time I think neither of us picked the Miami Dolphins to win a football game, guess what? They go out and win a football game. Yeah, maybe we should do it more often, Jake. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of what kept running through my mind. Not only did we think that we had no chance in this, but, um, you know, it just felt like this was going to be another Dolphins blowout on primetime, and they proved us wrong. So I don't know how you're feeling, Jake. I mean, I've been going through some shit. Lost you in fantasy two miles down from my house. We've had two earthquakes within a few days. I mean, all this shit's happening now, but none of that matters because, man, the Dolphins beat the Baltimore Ravens, and it feels good to once again be a Dolphins fan. It's really funny because before this game, before this podcast, Josh, we were just talking about it, how the Dolphins always seem to stumble in primetime. Whenever there is a hopeful sign for the Miami Dolphins, it is always derailed by primetime. That was not the case. And, Josh, the 10 points the Miami Dolphins allowed was the same amount that Baltimore held Miami to back on opening day of 2019. That was Brian Flores' first game as a head coach, a 59-10 win for Baltimore. So, Josh, we repainted that picture. The Dolphins came out with a win, 
And to me, it felt like a movie that was so bad that you just can't turn away. It was like watching Sharknado was watching this game develop. Um, and the second Tua came in, that's when I started to see sharks flying around through the air. And as you can hear, I have not watched that movie. Yeah, I was going to ask if you watched Sharknado because that is a god awful movie. But I mean, Jake, for the first two, you quarters, watched it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess I did at one point. I mean, we we creeped along there for what three quarters? I think you have written down here from ESPN stats and info: the Ravens and Dolphins. That was the first game this NFL sees with more punts, fourteen than points, which was nine through three quarters. So, um, yeah, I mean, we came out here, the offense snailed along like you'd expect. And I don't know, Jake, I never would wish injury upon anyone, but part of you definitely was hoping that something would happen that, you know, Tua Tungvaloa would get his chance. Again, not wishing injury on anyone, but at some point you just had to sit here and think, how bad is that injury to his finger that he can't go out there and do better than what Jacoby Bursitt was doing? Because, I mean, this offense looked anemic. It's just been the same story throughout the first, what, 10 games of the season. I mean, they've started out slow, looked dismal. And once Tua came in there, things definitely started to turn around real quick, Jake. Jacoby Brissett started the game 11 for 23, 156 yards. He was sacked twice. Uh, Josh, you hit the nail on the head. This was a very, very ugly game early on. Um, I think we should have known something was up when Justin Tucker missed an early field goal. I think that was a real warning sign that this game is about to get really awkward really quickly. Um, Brissett led the Dolphins on two field goal drives. It was a six to three game at the half. It was very ugly. It was weird. Isaiah Ford had a 52 yard reception that at the time became Miami's longest play of the season. It was a broken play. And then Josh, we go into the half, we cry, we come out of the half. Uh, and then Jacoby Brissett gets sacked on a third and 11. Miami's first drive of the second half. Tua comes on in relief. And Josh, I want to hear your thoughts. But after those first two drives from Tua, I was a little concerned that Maybe the Dolphins, why didn't they sign another quarterback? Because early on, man, he did not look like he should have been out there. Yeah, Jake. And again, maybe some of that was because obviously the injury to his throwing finger, you know, his throwing hand obviously wasn't able to grip the football enough to start. But I mean, you're looking at his numbers, 8 to 13, 158 yards. Yes, he ran that touchdown in. But I mean, I was sitting here saying now much different, you know, the offense seemed, but it really didn't seem much different. You know, I mean, it was still, they weren't creating those big plays. I mean, Albert Wilson, man, he finally had that big game, but back to your point about the quarterback. I mean, if, if Tua wasn't ready to go in this situation, I mean, then what happens, you know, what if Tua banged that finger and now he's out of the game, you know, Brian Flores alluded to that at the press conference earlier today. So I don't know where are they looking then? Is it that Jake Delagala or whatever on the practice squad? Is that not the only quarterback they truly have? And I mean, that would cause all sorts of problems. And that's kind of where the interesting subplots really start to develop. Josh, first of all, Albert Wilson and Tua Tungavaloa were sacked the same amount of times on Thursday Night Football. I would love to know if you put a bet on that, how much you'd cash out, because that right there is a little incredible. And I think Wilson might have been that third string quarterback that the Miami Dolphins are sorely missing. But Josh, Tua started to get a little comfortable. We saw that finger get hit off a helmet. We saw Jacoby Brissett want to come back into the game. And that's kind of where we all started scratching our heads. Uh, and Brian Flores said after the game that, you know, Tua's the guy and he doesn't understand why people are making such a big deal out of the fact he wasn't starting. And, and Josh, it really goes back to this. The fact that the team did not sign another quarterback. We're sitting there talking about deep balls. Uh, I mean, yes, Jacoby Brissett hit one. It was a wide open 52 yard pass to uh, Isaiah Ford. I mean, Tua did that same thing with Albert Wilson. That was another broken play where he, I think it was 63 yards when it was all said and done. But man, it just seems like the coaching staff has done nothing, at least in this scenario, to derail any type of rumor about maybe it's a little bit more than just a finger because the Dolphins weren't throwing it deep with Brissett. 
Tua came in and, and the, he led the team to a win. And it was just such a strange situation. And, and you don't know how you can go to a, a podium afterwards and try to explain such a head scratching couple of uh, scenarios where you have Brissett telling him to sit back down and Tua to kind of sit here and take the charge. And it goes back to this whole situation. I mean, we truly will never know what the issue is. But, Jake, I mean, I don't know about you, but they they zoomed right in on Jacoby Brissett. I think he threw a pass and he gave the thumbs up. And at that point, you're like, okay, Tua just literally just came in for, what, three plays? They punted the football or whatever. And now they're yeah. coming right back to Brissett. But um, I, I don't know, man. This entire situation makes you wonder. I mean, we have to sit here and say the Dolphins didn't have full confidence in Tua heading into this year because we know what, you know, trade rumors surrounded this team for so long. But it was nice to see the Dolphins go out there and get pull off this victory three Jake and it was nice to see Tua Tungavaloa come in the game and you know do enough to again put this team over there because he didn't make any of those deep passes didn't make any of those godly throws but that one to Jalen Waddle I mean I don't know that was a 35 yard that he put right in the honey basket and I don't know if that's a throw Jacoby Brissett could make so I mean I'm a big Tua guy big fan of his but um I don't know man hopefully he's starting against the Jets I know I think Brian Flores talked about that at his press conference today hopefully he goes out there and can string off some wins and you know leave none of this doubt behind because that's what it all comes back to the Dolphins having down to it, this fan base having down to it. We just wanted to put it all together, and we saw glimpses of that in that fourth quarter against the Ravens. It's strange because despite Miami's struggles on offense, they had passing plays of 64, 52, 35, 21, and 23. You mentioned Waddle's 35-yard game. He had another solid performance, four receptions on his six targets. But to kind of circle back to Albert Wilson here, because I think this is one of the players we thought that would be a dynamic part of this offense, especially how they want to run it. Um, Albert Wilson, actually, after the game, he said the offense doesn't run any different, whether it's Jacoby Brissett or Tua. So that's why you kind of hope that, hey, someone like Albert Wilson is going to start to get involved as he starts to become more healthy. Uh, he finished with five targets, four of those turned into catches for 87 yards. And we actually got a little bit of a confidence boost about the development of this offense. It is safe to say this offense is not anywhere near where we want it to be. Uh, but this is what the Dolphins were going to are supposed to look like in the second year of a rebuild instead of the 10 and six year last year where, you know, there's some ugly plays. You have offensive linemen flipping into the end zone for touchdowns, uh, but you see growth. Albert Wilson said after the game uh, that that play, the 64 yard reception, uh, it was a play that they were using all night long. And I guess what they did differently is Wilson was sprinting. Uh, before the snap. And sometimes he'd be a slow walk or maybe a jog, uh, but how the Dolphins are starting to, Determined pace on the offensive side of the football is changing. Uh, Wilson added that we ran that play a ton of times the whole game. It just looks different. Change your speed before the play. Continue with it up the sideline. Kind of made it look a little different. It was cool. Josh, I think that's one of the most promising things about this performance is there's some sort of growth. And I think that was the issue with the seven-game losing streak is there was no growth and no signs of uh, you know improvement from this offense. Yeah, and I mean, what we've seen from this team on these last few weeks has been the growth that you're talking about, Jake. I think it's funny that, you know, we brought up Preston Williams on this last podcast. You were trying to get me to say this was going to be his breakout game. And I kind of joked, you know, maybe we finally see that Albert Wilson from training camp. And I mean, that's exactly what we saw. I mean, that 64-yard play, yes, it was broken coverage. You mentioned Wilson said earlier in the game, they were running it a bunch of times. Earlier in that game, they covered Wilson perfectly out of the backfield. And I think they dumped it off to Smith for a big gain on that play. Yep. Everyone crashed down to Smythe. And you just see Albert Wilson coming out in that wheel route wide open to me, Jake. And I, I, maybe I'm just being a little bit, you know, 
I'm nitpicking here, but he had that entire field, you know, to cut right. I mean, I don't know. It's Albert Wilson, one of the fastest guys in football. I was just waiting for him to put a quick move on that defensive back, trying to come over and take the angle at him. And, you know, maybe it's a race to the pylon, but to see Albert Wilson finally have that big game again, to see this offense, I can't go back enough to that Jalen Waddle catch, man. That thing was so big and that throw from Tua. I mean, we question his arm strength. You can question a lot of stuff about him, but that was a big time throw. And, and Jake, we also got to have egg on our face for what Mike Kosicki did. I think he was targeted seven times. I know I started him in fantasy football, man, but not one single yep. catch. And, you know, to beat the Baltimore Ravens, if you said that they were going to win despite Mike Kosicki having a single catch, uh, no one would have believed you in that moment. Mike Kosicki, 0 for 7 on the day. Marlon Humphrey, man, was playing him pretty well. And that's another promising thing. Hey, you know, Kosicki had a couple drops. I think there were some balls that just were kind of thrown in his direction where he didn't really have an opportunity. But the fact the team was able to still move the ball and do enough. I mean, you think about those two broken plays, Josh, and you can kind of chalk them up and say, those aren't deep plays for the Miami Dolphins offense because, you know, they were running wide open. Well, when's the last time we've had players running wide open, Josh? You think think about Never. it. We finally have an offense that might break a defense a couple plays a game. And I think that's kind of promising, especially, you know, if, if the Dolphins were three and seven and it wasn't a win in primetime against Baltimore, maybe we'd pump the brakes a little bit. But man, that that's a good defense. And maybe we it's so hard when you only have 17 games to focus in on because maybe we were a little quick to rush what this offense can be. And I'm not saying, you know, maybe a top 10 unit or anything like that, but last year, all we wanted was a middle of the pack unit and Hey, the way they performed today without a lot of big playmakers. I mean, you have Isaiah Ford, man, catching four of his catching all four of his targets for 84 yards. I mean, you have guys making plays unless their name's miles Gaskin, then they're just not going to make plays. Yeah, and again, I guess we should throw that out there with Miles Gaskin at, what, another 14 carries for 31 yards. You mentioned Marlon Humphrey's name, and we do have to throw it out there. I don't know if you saw the tweet at the end of the game, Jake, but he said Jalen yep. Waddle is, you know, a, a future superstar, you know, top 10 wide receiver in this league. So you really can't hear many better things than that. But I, um, back to the whole running game, I mean, 14 carries for 31 yards again. I mean, the offensive line. Um, you mentioned growth. I mean, we've seen a little bit of growth on the offensive line. I threw up their PFF grades here, but Austin Jackson led the team with a 78.8. Jesse Davis, a 76.6. I think that was his best game of the year. Robert Hunt, a 42.3. Eichenberger, 39. And Reeder, a 37.5. So again, growing pains there. But I mean, Austin Jackson, again, PFF grades are what they are. But leading the team, you know, from his move to guard, I mean, who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? Jesse Davis actually having a good game against the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, again, it's PFF stats, but Jake, we're starting to see growth. Josh, I want to get your take on a certain play. Uh, it a certain, I guess, a sequence of plays here. I think it was the start of the fourth quarter. Uh, Tua was sacked on first down. Dolphins did the go good old-fashioned Miles Gaskin run up the middle on second down, and hey, he got a big chunk to set up a third and manageable. Isaiah Ford was tackled just short of the sticks on third down. They're around Baltimore's 42-yard line. I think they got to get to the 41. It's fourth down. Josh, the team takes a penalty and punts instead of going it from Baltimore's 42-yard line or whatever it may be, needing one yard. Let's not talk about what happens right after because we'll, we'll, we'll acknowledge that. But right there, man, what did you think of that play? Because I was a little frustrated. You're at home. You're facing Baltimore on a short week. I, I think you got to be a little more aggressive there. I'm just getting a little frustrated with it seems like this is the fourth or fifth time this year the team has taken a penalty just to punt the ball away. 
And it goes back to that conservative mindset. And I mean, you know, it goes back to that, Jake. And to me, it's just so frustrating that, again, this team would, instead of going out there against the Baltimore Ravens, who, again, I mean, this is a prolific AFC team. Why wouldn't you, you know, try to get that first down and continue to grind those yards instead of playing the field position? But I guess, you know, twofold, they probably didn't even see themselves being this in this game. And, you know, to have a chance to pin Baltimore back deep. I mean, I guess you'd still line of thinking, but I, you know, long yearn for that day, Jake, where we have a fourth and short or anything like that. You know, even fourth and two, you see some of these teams go out there. The Dallas yeah. Cowboys, they go out there and, you know, they every fourth down there on the field trying to make a play. That's what you want to see, especially against the Baltimore Ravens. So I was definitely frustrated. Now tell us what happened after that, Jake. The ball was down at the one-yard line by Mac Hollins. And, man, I was tweeting about how much awesome I hated it. I felt like such a stupid idiot. Yeah, we got to see a sick Hollins dance. And, I, uh, again, I still feel like it was – wrong play right result in that situation just for what we want the Miami Dolphins to be I mean they're supposed to be an offense that gets you know four yards at a time they're throwing through the air and it just seems like that should have been their bread and butter in that situation Josh you mentioned a couple things about the offensive line uh unsung hero Liam Eikenberg he recovered two fumbles I mean he was sprawling all over that ball I don't know what the Miami Dolphins are looking for in their offensive line uh, but clearly they want guys who can catch the ball and make it to the pylon. Clearly they want guys who have the quick feet and can sprawl onto the football. And, you know, we know there are some growing t- pains with someone like Liam Eikenberg, but I think I'm happy if he finishes this year with more fumble recoveries than false starts. And you know what, Josh, I don't think that's too high of an expectation to ask for. I'm all for it, Jake. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> growth right here is perfect growth. I mean, Eichenberger said just, you know, watching a guy go by him and knock the football loose. He's now jumping on the ball. I mean, that's that's what we want to see. So, <laughs> so uh, I mean, because is that what happened in the one instance? I mean, I swear it was his guy that just probably ran right by him, knocked the ball out. And, you know, you just see him jumping on it like a, a pig in mud. It was so awesome to see because, again, it's much different than Jesse Davis, just, you know, walking over to a lifeless body and, and kind of just drooping his head. So I think we talked about the offense enough. Jake, let's jump into a break. And when we come back, let's talk about that Dolphin defense that held the Ravens to only 10 points on Thursday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Josh, football games are only once a week, but I really enjoy the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday uh, national media coverage, listening to a bunch of different podcasts, getting a lot of different takes. And hey, that's why I think I enjoy a Miami Dolphins win so much, because I'm hearing all this positive news throughout the week. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, he made a very interesting uh, comparison for the Miami Dolphins defense. And I thought this would be a great way to start this. He said it's like that student who's, you know, a D plus student, maybe a C minus student. All of a sudden, a quarter ends, and they come home with an A-plus on the report card. So, Josh, we know this Dolphins defense. They held Baltimore to 10 points. We know this defense can have an A-plus performance. We just saw it. Why has it been taking so long? Why is it taking so long for this student to get so motivated and go past that social studies test? I'm, I mean, it sounds like you're describing me in school. I really don't know, Jake. I mean, if, if I ever got that A, though, I mean, that would be quite the feat. But I mean, I really don't know, Jake. I mean, to me, again, it goes back to them just being more conservative and maybe not being as aggressive. Josh Cohen NFL tweeted out a few days ago, 
Not sure I've ever seen anything like in the NFL. Miami showed cover zero pre-snap 40 times versus the Baltimore Ravens, Jake. And I mean, I, I know we all go back to playing Madden, but it's like when you're having gauge eight and you're just lining everybody up at the line, but now you're pulling these guys, you know, back into coverage, bringing the blitz off this end. So, um, Jake, I, I really have no idea where it's been, but I, I mean, I'm so stoked that it's here. I mean, they used a ton of zero blitz and they, again, they did the infamous engage eight and they just kept bringing the pressure. And we mentioned it last week. I said, Javon Holland and Brandon Jones were our back brothers and i mean is that not what they were according to next gen stats dolphin safety javon holland and brandon jones blitz more times against the ravens than any other defensive back in any game this season holland had 21 blitzes compared to brandon jones 17 and then they went on to say uh javon holland set a career high in defensive snaps with 70 and qb pressures with four so again jake i mean they're bringing everyone up to line they're bringing brandon jones and, and javon holland off the edges and they're just making life difficult for a guy like lamar jackson who heading into this i mean i talked about how he was this elite playmaker, you know, and a human video game. He's still all those things. But when he went up against Brian Flores in that defense on Thursday, he looked confused as hell. And I was just waiting for him to cut his hair like Justin Herbert did the last time he looked that way when he played Miami in his rookie year. Lamar Jackson faced blitzes 24 times by defensive backs. That's the most of any quarterback since 2015. And man, you know, we were talking about how we were a little concerned about how the Dolphins have two safeties that kind of play the same thing. But Josh, if you're going to have them do the same thing, I mean, what, what's the big issue there? I thought the whole secondary played an outstanding game, whether it was, you know, the Brandon Joneses of the world and Javon Holland's blitzing, but also, man, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and Justin Coleman. I don't really know the difference of why, uh, you know, some games are Coleman games and some games are Needham games. Like, maybe that's something we should dive into. Uh, but if they weren't, you know, deflecting a ball or staying in front of the ball, they were making a tackle, you know, three, four yards instead of letting guys run wild all around the field. So I think they deserve a lot of credit here. Despite the fact that Miami blitzed all day, you need those guys in the secondary to make just the simple plays, you know, the tackles, whether it's a 12 yard gain or not. I mean, that 12 yard gain could quickly go to, you know, 40 or 50 against a defense like that. So those things are really important. And that entire secondary deserves some credit. And Josh, I want to ask you, is there any reason maybe we didn't see this coming until now? Because, hey, maybe the team's finally healthy. We remember Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, two guys really dealing with injuries. And, hey, maybe that's why they picked someone like Noah Igbenagi to be like, these guys are going to be injured. It's football. It's a hard sport. However, we need to be able to play this defense. This is how we can have a successful team with this defense. You know, we saw the Dolphins try to run this defense against the Bills last year. Stephon Diggs torched Noah Igbenagni and... I didn't know that this was going to come back to me, you know, bashing a former first round pick, but that's kind of seem, seems like what it is, Josh, that when these cornerbacks aren't healthy, this defense can't be what it wants to be. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, not every NFL defense in the league, you know, has a Byron Jones and Xavier Howard they can rely on. I mean, the reason they're showing those, you know, no look blitz coverages is because they have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard who can work so well out there on the island. I really don't know why they lean Justin Coleman in this situation, but I know earlier in the year I was kind of hard on him. And I think this is now another yeah. game where he had a big critical interception that kind of changed this thing. So, uh, you know, tip your hat to him. Byron Jones, you mentioned him. I mean, he led the team in tackles. So, you know, whether those were plays down the field, whether those were plays up there at the line, I mean, he was all over the field. And then Xavier Howard, you know, again, another game-changing play from him. 
I know I've said some things about, you know, how he wasn't playing up to his, you know, what we've expected of him. But I mean, what we've seen as of late, I mean, it's one game changing play after another. I mean, you can sit here and say whether or not that was a catch or not, but he knocked that thing out, picked it up and ran that baby in for a touchdown. And in that moment, I mean, you could not have asked for a bigger play. And, you know, from what we've seen at the beginning of the year, it was definitely a complete 180. And again, I do think that Jake, you're right. That is why they're able to play this defense because now they have those two healthy corners that they can just sit back on the Island and let them do their things. Well, those guys up front, I mean, let's be honest, Jake, when those guys up front get to the quarterback, it's causing destruction all day long. Lamar Jackson was only sacked four times. I felt like it was a little more than that. And this is what Brian Flores had to say after the game. Brian Flores said following the game, I think Josh and the defensive staff did a nice job coming up with the game plan. It really boils down to the players executing, which our guys were able to do. He went in to add that, you know, pressuring was a big part of that game plan. And Josh, you're the one who likes to take videos of every angle. You're, you're, you're Charlie. Your hair is wild. You are the Charlie talking about the mail. Brian Flores, Josh, it looked like he had a call sheet in his hand. What's the deal? Yeah, man, I'm glad you said it because I was going to try to figure out a way to throw that in there. I, I don't know, man, because he comes out here. And I mean, you said Josh during the press conference. I thought you were talking directly at me. I was like, yo, Brian Flores was talking about. But I mean, dude, I, <laughs> good game plan, Josh. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, how can you sit there and say that, you know, Josh was calling the plays when, you know, all the cameras are on you with the, the sheet over your mouth. So I don't know, Jake. I mean, it would explain why we're starting to see a more aggressive defense. You know, why we're starting to see him play more like that team that, you know, we came to expect into this year. I mean, again, I go back to that Super Bowl win, but we all remember Sean McVay, you know, Know, pulling his hair out because he didn't know what Brian Flores was doing to him. That's what we saw, you know, uh, this week. That's what we've seen in previous weeks. Maybe Brian Flores is taking over play calling duties, but to me, I don't know why he won't just admit to it. I mean, what's does that hurt diminish Josh Boyer's ego? You know, does that make him sad? And why does Brian Flores say anything he says? Let's be real here. Yeah. And he, I guess he's consistent, right? <laughs> he doesn't tell his shit. He doesn't think we need to know it. And at least he's consistent in that regard. But Jake, before we move on and you know finish up this podcast, let's talk about that defensive line up front because it seems like you know every game now we're seeing Wilkins, you know, blow by one or two defenders and make a tackle on the backfield. Sealers making big plays. Adam Butler. I mean, we saw. There was a video of him dropping back in coverage. You know, a couple of plays later, he's making yep. a sack. I mean, it's just those guys up front. I mean, we always talk about versatility and, you know, maybe there's no superstar, but there's a bunch of guys that do their job very well. And when they come together, I mean, it's beautiful, man. So give me your thoughts on that, because, you know, I think they played a damn good game against the Ravens. You really talk about synergy with this group and you just kind of see how everything's developing because it seemed like Jerome Baker didn't have the greatest game, but. Andrew Van Ginkle finally made an appearance. The Dolphins stopped a running attack that, hey, maybe we should be able to stop, you know, a a room full of 45-year-old running backs. And that's just kind of the opportunities the Dolphins need to create for themselves because this was a very, very weird game for the second week in a row. Josh, the Dolphins had 11 penalties for 97 yards. And the drive where the Ravens scored on a Mark Andrews touchdown, I'm pretty sure there were like three roughing the passer calls. And I think one of them I was okay with where I was like, all right, um, I kind of get where they're going. Uh, but, and then you add on top of that, Josh, Miami was three of 13 on third down one of four in the red zone. That was just a tough, tough performance. And for this defense to be so gutsy for, it seems like the second, third week in a row, you have to wonder as we start to look at the team moving forward, if this defense is going to be able to continue being this unit and lead them to some sort of uh, exciting end of the year in the hunt race. 
I think that's where we're headed, right? I mean, if there's no reason why after what they just did to the Ravens, we shouldn't all be back on our high horse thinking, you know, okay, we're back to being this, you know, godly defense that can go out there and stop any offense because, I mean, they just did it to, again, one of the best offenses in football. So, um, Jake, I'm still surprised. I'm still shocked that, you know, I was on here talking 31-17 Ravens. I think I even went and placed a bunch of bets in favor of the Ravens when any other week I would, you know, at least place one of the Dolphins because you thought there was hope. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fat loser. But, um, Jake, before we wrap up this podcast, we got to talk about big boy Bob Hunt making that touchdown or or not a touchdown, but him catching that screen pass. I mean, it looked like he snatched that shit right out of Gaskin's hands and and ran it in for one of the craziest touchdown passes. So give me your thoughts when you saw that, because I was just sitting there like just wondering if all my life I didn't realize what the rules were, because I I was like, what? How how is that even possible? Josh, I now understand where everyone was coming from when they said that Robert Hunt might be a pro bowler. He's a great receiver who can break some tackles and find the end zone. I think that's what everyone was really talking about. Uh, fun play. I would really have hated it and be miserable if the Dolphins lost. But since it's a win, since it's something we can kind of be excited about, sure, let's have some fun with it. Let's put it on the elevator, whatever it may be. Uh, but overall, Josh, I don't think I'd want to see situations like this happen every week because uh, that's not what the Dolphins are trying to accomplish. And additionally, none of this should have even happened. Austin Jackson was called for a penalty on third and two from Baltimore's two yard line that set up that play. And Miami was forced to kick a field goal after Josh. I think it was a pass interference in the end zone that started that drive first and goal from the one and Miami was unable to score. So despite it being a fun situation, man, it was actually a tough, tough sequence. uh, If you're hoping to see the Miami Dolphins score points. Yeah, and that's what we always want. But I mean, yeah, you see it now. It's on the elevator. It's on T-shirts. People are having fun with it. And uh, I just can't get over that face that he was making on the sideline where he just like, was looking at a coach yeah. with a big smirk. Like, yeah, I knew what I was doing. So um, before we wrap up the podcast, Jay, got to throw out there, Jalen Phillips, give him a hat tip. I think he had three and a half tackles, had another half sack. And I mean, I don't know about you, but it looked like he was spying uh, Lamar Jackson at times. I saw him chase him mm-hmm. down. And again, Javon Holland, man, that range. I mean, from that very first hit he put on the running back, I think we knew it was going to be one of those days. So um, excited to see where this goes. This week, MetLife takeover against the Jets. Why not go up there and lay that bat, Jake, that we're always talking about? Lay the wood to them and, and show them that this is the Miami Dolphins team that we all expected heading into the year. I can't wait to be sitting there on Thanksgiving morning. The guys on CBS will have their big old cornucopia and then boom, the in the hunt graphic will show up and the Dolphins at five and seven or something. Cannot wait. We're going to be right at the bottom of that list. Things to be thankful for. (laughs) We will be back in the middle of the week, probably Wednesday with some uh, middle of the week notes, whatever we can find before we get ready for the Dolphins and the Jets as the Miami Dolphins look to make it three straight wins. Josh, as we head out, as we tell people they should follow us on Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z, at jmendel94. It's worth noting, man, Brian Flores actually just said something. Monday, November 15th, Brian Flores actually announced that Tua will be his quarterback on Sunday against the Jets. So at least we have that to look forward to. Uh, And Josh, that's all we really wanted this season. That is what makes us, you know, have some fun being able to come on here and talk despite the team being three and seven. And that's that progress, that growth of seeing, hey, maybe the Dolphins are headed in the right direction. Maybe not, but at least we get to talk about it. At least we got to talk about it. At least now we know who the quarterback is. You know, at least now we're not waiting till game day to find out if Tua will play or will not. But guys, like Jake said, you know the best way to follow us. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to the podcast. And as always, reach out to us on Twitter for the Jake and Josh Show, part of SB Nation's Finsider Radio. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. 
Ease up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins. 